You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. It's late. It's dark. Let's take some phone calls. Last time we did this, we ended saying we got a couple from Nico, and we do. And that's how we're going to start the day. Nico, go ahead and take it away, my man. Game balls today. This is Nico from Idaho. Hey, Nico. It's not three in the morning, and my wife is sleeping next to me. So Thank I you. Normal. Thank you. Um, first off, <laughs> you know, having two tackles back on the offensive line, they may not be perfect yet. I know Bach hasn't played for two years, and Jenkins, this is his second game back, and I know they limited Bach, but I tell you what, give them four or five weeks to just remember what it's like to get the crap beat out of you and block, and I tell you what, that's just only going to make our offensive line back. I know that was kind of the weak point yesterday. I look for that to just get better. Unless yeah. one of them got injured today, and I haven't heard about it. So game ball to those two. Razul sliding out there after Jair got hurt. Yeah, that was a bummer. But the fact that he slid out there and just was a stud, and that Nixon cat coming in and taking his spot and just down and punks on the one-yard line, what the heck? His PSF grade has to be good. We better be have a better PSF grade just for that. <laughs> um, you know, Dobbs, freaking Dobbs, man. He looks, God, he looks good. I know they were comparing him to Devontae. I don't know. I mean, he doesn't really look like him. Um, he looks a lot faster. And I know he's probably just in scooter mode, do a little now, but when they get him in full drag race mode, look out. I still think, you know, we all wanted at least one of the receivers to pop. So we got one to pop. I still think Watkins can do it. He just got to stay on. You know, so he gets the game ball. Lazard and Cobb, those guys, I tell you. You mentioned earlier today, Lazard's never open, still catches the ball. Yep. Cobb, I know on that first pass, Cobb uh, was over-pursued by number 45. Yeah, he just spun around that pool, left him like a tree. I was very impressed with Cobb. He looked like 2014 Cobb. Um, Campbell, what can you say? The dude's a tackling machine. Um, had the the, the game-winning deflection. Just can't say can't even say enough good about him. Walker, I, I can't remember the last time we had someone punch a ball out of a receiver. Teams do it so much. Yep. Uh, like the Ravens always do it every other game. I cannot remember the last time we actually punched a ball out. Kudos to Walker. He gets a game ball. The punter, whoever he is, don't know his name. <laughs> Dude killed it. Even in, in preseason, it seemed like every time he punted the ball, the, the guy catching the punt was running back. So he is just killing it. The team killed it. I think Gary, if he if he rushed the passer 25 times, had 25 pressures, um, and probably 20 holds as well. Um, mm-hmm. Smith is entering stud territory, um, and Jones and Dylan. I don't know if they had no holds. They looked a little, you know, Jones looked good at times, but he was stuffed a lot too. And the ref, man, they tried. They sure tried. I don't care what those announcers said. Not calling that uh, late when they hiked it was just booty. So, uh, hey, we won, and uh, probably getting close to the three-minute cutoff time. So, go back, go, and let's go kick some other team next week. That was good, man. That was that was right at three minutes. You probably had that on your phone, so you could tell, but that was pretty impressive. I think you call back in a second here. I don't know if you're giving out more game balls. I think maybe what we should have done is maybe just hand out some sorry 
you tried, but it wasn't quite good enough to get a game ball balls. You know, not even necessarily like, like we're not giving out dunce caps or anything. Just you weren't quite good enough to get this and then maybe a couple dunce caps. But because we covered a lot of ground there, pretty much like all the receivers, the offensive line, Rashawn, Quay, Campbell, Razul, Nixon. Did you say Stokes? Stokes should be on the list. Anyways, let's see. Uh, let's see what you got in your next call before I go on too much. Maybe that's what we're doing here. Um, hello, sorry. How could I forget? Clark, <laughs> dude, if he keeps going like this, Kenny. Um, I don't know. But yeah, no. It, well, I'll let you finish because you're almost all done. All I can do is help the fact that he's a big, huge, fat stud. So, uh, anyways, go pack, go. Cannot talk about old Kenny Clark. So, uh, here's next week. Yeah, I have been. Maybe the only Packer fan, if not one of very few, that has been to some degree critical of of Kenny Clark and saying that we've been maybe a little too hyped on Kenny. Dude, he is... If he's not the best player on this entire team right now, I'd maybe be a little bit surprised because just the couple times that I've watched our defensive line, he wins every time. Every single time. And it doesn't mean he's always making the play. But, I mean, you look at run plays where he's double-teamed, and he'll push the whole double-team and at least force the running back to bounce somewhere else, and then it's somebody else's problem that missed a tackle or whatever else. But it's it's unbelievable what that guy's doing. Also, I think it's funny that every time somebody says, Go Pat Go, it says Go Petco on here. I wonder if you can pay Google to translate things a certain way. It seems odd that Petco and it's capitalized and everything is on here. What what could I pay them to translate? Maybe anytime somebody says Packer's not, like... uh Packers are not that good. It'll just say Packernet that good. It'll be like, dang, I don't know what Packernet is, but it must be pretty good. Just a thought. Deep thoughts with Jack Handy. Hello, Ryan. It's Jake from Utah. Hey, man. D.D. Lamb just dropped a wide open, huge play pass down the field. And all I can think of is, thank God, no one will talk about the Christian Watson thing. Hopefully, Everybody can hopefully just get off of that and look yeah, at this because right. that was a huge drop in the middle of this game, wide open, way more separation than Christian Watson had, and he still dropped it right past his chest in between his arms. Anyway, the Cowboys, I hate them. Bye. So I I don't know if you're being sarcastic. I think you are, but the 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 point is well taken if you are because that's not going to happen. If you were to ask people about C.D. Lamb, he's a premier wide receiver. If you ask people about Christian Watson, he's that bum that dropped a wide open pass. That's it. Nobody will acknowledge those things happen. In fact, here is a list, full comprehensive list of wide receivers that have dropped passes 20 yards or more. Christian Watson, Irv Smith, Jamal Agnew, Jamar Chase, Chase Claypool, Elijah Moore, C.D. Lamb, Cooper Cup, Jacoby Myers, Sterling Shepard, and Tyreek Hill. Yeah, well, Christian Watson just had that one, so, you know, whatever. Okay, well, C.D. Lamb has had three, so it's not that big of a deal. Beyond that, Irv Smith and Jamal Agnew also had just one. Jamar Chase has only had two and dropped one. Sterling Shepard had two and dropped one. In fact, only two players have had more than three passes of the guys that dropped it. More than three passes, 20 yards or more. Cooper Cup has had four. Tyreek Hill has had six. So yeah, I mean, until he catches a deep pass. I mean, it's no different than, you know... Dobbs and everything else. It's the same thing I told you about Devontae and all the other narratives. You're going to keep hearing about Devontae dominates and all the other Packers wide receivers suck until our wide receivers can do better than Devontae. Now that that's the case, where Dobbs has literally been a better wide receiver the last two weeks out of three than Devontae, not saying he's better at football. I'm just saying statistically, that's what's been the reality. Now the narrative is gone, right? Uh, Dobbs in general, he had drop issues until now when he doesn't seem to have drop issues. So They just have to overcome it. Right now, Watson has one play that's a deep pass, and he dropped it. And he's going to have that stigma of being a bust and being a bum, and everyone's going to laugh at him and all this stuff. Ha ha, could have had Pickens, who literally hasn't done anything. The Pickens love is so stupid. But could have had this, could have had that. Instead, you took him. Until he shows up and comes back from injury and catches a bunch of passes and gets 100 yards and two touchdowns, nobody cares. But it'll happen, and then everyone will shut up. Until then, he's just that guy that's a bust that can't catch passes. That's it. So, Brian, this is Blake's dad. Um, hey, man. Just going to say I'll be at the Packer game uh, this Sunday against nice. the Patriots. And with the news yesterday of Mac Jones being out, um, they got Brian Hoyer coming in. Not sure if that's better or worse. Probably a little worse, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
saw a report from uh, NFL Rums on Twitter. I know they're not the greatest thing ever, but it said something about Patriots could kick the tires on Cam Newton. That wouldn't <laughs> scare me at all, but I guess... Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes those NFL Rums accounts, they basically just regurgitate other news, right? So I, I've retweeted NFL Rums before because... It's real news, and that just happens to be the first one that I see, so I retweet it. That's it. Sometimes they just say stupid stuff. Now, maybe this is an instance where they saw Ian Rappaport say it, and they whatever. Um, I don't think so. I think that's what what the NFL rums guys like to do is mix in their stupidity with real news so that, you know, you can say that they're real, but then they bring up fake stuff, and everyone's like, oh, dang, that's... And then they get a billion retweets or whatever, while still maintaining the air of legitimacy by just typing out the exact same thing that Ian Rappaport said, just getting it out like 15 seconds later, and then just bank on thousands of people like me seeing theirs first and retweeting it and then them becoming something that everyone wants to follow and all that stuff. Um, I, I would assume I'm 95% sure that's complete garbage. Let's go with Adam Schefter on this one. The actual Adam Schefter with the real check mark and all that stuff. Bill Belichick told reporters today that if Mac Jones can't play Sunday in Green Bay, Brian Hoyer would be the Patriots' starting quarterback. So, again, that's what always made the most sense to me. You want to bring in that sort of game manager that's going to just be able to execute at a very marginal level while we run the ball down their throat and hope to bring pressure on Rodgers and maybe you can get a couple lucky takeaways. Some other interesting news. Apparently, Mac Jones is not being ruled out of this game. I thought it was a very serious injury that was going to keep him out like a minimum of a month, probably several months. I don't know. But either way, it, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what the better situation, as you said, I have no idea what's what's better. A banged up Mac Jones um, versus Brian Hoyer. A healthy Mac Jones versus Brian Hoyer, considering how Mac's doing. I don't know. I I, I don't really know. I think Mac Jones provides you a higher ceiling, but also a low, lower floor. Look at all the picks and everything and how bad things are going for him right now. Although, again, Brian Hoyer, like 50-50 touchdown interception. But anyways, uh, yeah. As a person in the stadium, I'd much rather see Cam Newton than, than Brian Hoyer. Um, yeah, I get it. Kind of wondering how that's going to look. Hopefully we get some interceptions that we don't ever seem to get. Um but yeah, that's really it. I guess maybe if you're doing a live stream or something, I'll make sure to, to bring some headphones this time. Um, all right, later. Yeah, I appreciate that. I don't know if we're going to do one or not. We might. I don't know. We'll see. I kind of miss it. I, I, I don't like doing it, but I when I'm not doing it, I'm like, man, I, sh- I wish I was doing a stream. I kind of like it. There's things that are really awesome about doing it, and there are things that are awesome about not doing it. And no matter what, I'm going to miss doing it the other way. So just out of curiosity, I'm just checking for the Cam Newton news. Not really seeing that. I'm seeing a massive amount of speculation saying they should bring him back. Uh, Barstool Sports. I don't know. People just people just tweeting it all over the place. Patriots Wire. Should the Patriots bring in Cam Newton? So pretty sure we can rule that out, although who knows? Last minute, this, that, or the other. But I'm guessing if they liked Cam Newton that much, he would have been the number two quarterback, right? There's Brian Hoyer and Bailey Zappier there for a reason. Cam Newton's still floating around out there. Why wouldn't he be on your roster if you wanted him to be there in case of a disaster, right? So probably can just rule that one out. Hey, it's Nico. So let me get this straight. Okay. PFF has PFF has a thing where if you have like an amazing play, like a punch out. Yeah. Fumble that totally swings the entire, you know, like destiny of the direction of the, who's going to win. You just get a little bit of like yay, sort of thumbs up. But if you have a bad play, it affects you super negatively. That seems. I don't think that's it. Here, here's what I. Here's the. A lot of people are mad because Quay Walker got a bad grade and he punched the ball out. It's one out of fifty-five plays, right? That's it. And I think, again, if fans were to set up PFF, the big plays would be weighted much heavier. And so the, the way I think of it is PFF is on a two-point scale, I believe, quite positive. It's a two-point scale, and it's in 0.5 increments, so it's kind of like a four-point scale, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I think if it was up to fans, it would be like a 10-point scale or a 20 or a 50 or a 100-point scale, and, and Quay Walker would have... Uh, 
a negative grade and it would be, let's say on a 10 point scale, like a negative one, like he didn't quite do his job, negative one, negative one. And then there would be that punch. I would be a 10 point thing, right? I think most fans kind of operate that way. That's why Trayvon Diggs, they hate PFF because he should have, look at all the interceptions. He should have a much higher grade. This is the problem I have with the PFF grades in general is that this part of it is subjective. I, like I said, there's a sliding scale. There's objective and subjective, and they're on opposite ends of the scale, and you slide one way or another. The benefit of completely objective things, things that are 100% true, if you threw a touchdown, you got one touchdown, there's no question, there's no deciphering, there's nothing that goes into that. It's 100% real. The problem is things that are 100% objective don't usually paint a relevant picture. As you slide over to the other side of the, the, uh, the scale, we're bringing in more information. The problem is how you decide what is relevant and how relevant it is and how to put that all together into one score, you're kind of, you're kind of making that up. I'm sure you're using your best judgment and lots of math with charts and graphs and all that stuff to try to come up with the best possible thing. But again, why a two-point scale as opposed to a three or a four or a five? And when somebody has a bad play, how bad was it? How do you, why would you call that a negative 0.5 as opposed to a negative 1.5? So there's a whole lot of like, eh, I don't really know. Here's what I'll say though. I tend to agree. And, and, and that, by the way, is why I said PFF is mostly about consistency because really big plays don't really move the needle that much. I mean, it's, it's going to be a two or call it a four, I guess. Well, how many plays, how many negative plays would it take? I mean, four marginally bad plays, negative 0.5. And it erases the interception. And again, most people would disagree with that, but here's why I tend to agree with it. I don't want a situation where somebody is a garbage corner and gets a pick six in a game because a quarterback sucks, and then I get told that that's the best corner in football. I think that's true of Quay Walker, too. If I look at the grade and it says he got an 80 overall grade, and I'm like, dang, he had a good day. He was a good, he was a good football player in this game. And then PFF is like, well, no, he actually kind of sucked but he punched the ball out once, so we gave him a really good grade. That doesn't help me. I, I know that he punched the ball out once. I can see it on the stat sheet. I saw it in the game. I want to know how good of a football player he is. But if I know he punched the ball out, and I know he got graded quite highly, and he still ended up with a 55-whatever overall grade, or I don't remember what he had, then that tells me, despite that really good game, on a play-to-play -play basis, he didn't do a very good job. That's what I want to know. Now, again, maybe other people would rather have it a different way. I just want to know, like, you... You know, how much did you influence the game? Well, a, you know, you make a couple tackles, who cares? You, you do a good job in coverage, but the ball doesn't go that direction, who cares? What I care about is, did you get a pick? Did you get a sack? Did you punch the ball out? Did you recover a fumble? Those are the biggest things. I personally don't really want that. Now, you could squabble over, maybe it should be a little higher, maybe it should be a five-point scale, or a three- or a four-point scale, so it weights a little heavier in that direction, because obviously that's the most important things. I have resigned myself to saying, in certain instances, I don't really care about the grade. I'm happy with what Quay did because we basically won the game because of him, in part. I mean, there's several individual things that happened that if they didn't happen, we probably don't win. That's one of them. His contribution to this game helped contribute to a win in, in such a way that we don't win without him. And so the fact that he was marginally bad on most of these games, but not catastrophically bad, but just on, on most of the plays, I mean... Okay, oh well, that sucks. I mean, he's a rookie. It's, it's not a big deal. Maybe it is a big deal. I don't know. Same with Rashawn. He's getting all the pressures, but the grade is lower. Most fans probably be furious at that. I'm looking at that saying, okay, on a play-to-play -play basis, something is wrong, but at least for now, he's getting the production. Hopefully, the rest kind of comes along with it. Anyways, I'm going to let you continue this real quick. That seems almost like uh, set up to be against a player. Like... What if Clay Walker had three punch-outs and then two bad calls on special teams? No, because, again, let's, let's – and it wouldn't be special teams. That's a completely separate grade. Um, this, this is just defense. But in that case, if we're doing the .5 scale, that would be two points, or two points per punch-out because I'm assuming they give you full credit for a big play like that. So that would be six points. And then you said what? Uh, two negative – what did you say? Hold on. Let me go back and read this nonsensical translation here and then two bad calls well let's i mean not horrifically bad i'm assuming but let's just say minus one so two of those you have minus two you have three plus so it's six minus two it's plus four 
That's very positive. So that's going to be a very good grade. That's not what's really happening. You had one punch out and then a bunch of negative grades to cancel that out. And again, it would take four marginally bad plays to make up for one really good play. Bad grade? That makes no sense. I'm confused. Sorry. It's early. Yeah, so I, I think th- that's my understanding of, of how that works. Now, how that all comes into what the official overall grade is, I don't know. And there's certain things that you look at and go, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, like getting an 80 overall pass blocking grade and a 60 overall run blocking grade, and you pass blocked more than you run blocked. At the same time as pass blocking is more important than run blocking, although I don't expect them to necessarily differentiate. But you end up with like a 60 overall grade. That confuses me. And I've seen that a few times. I don't know how that all works out. But in terms of that specific thing, if you make a big play, you should have a good grade. I don't agree. I, I don't like that. Especially, and here, here's the other issue. A lot of, I know what a lot of people do when they do their kind of grades or whatever. They weight big plays higher than others. I don't know that I would necessarily do that. For example, if you catch a three-yard pass for a touchdown, everybody would be like, dude, huge play a touchdown it's got to be extra points like it's fantasy football or something no you caught a three-yard pass you specifically didn't do anything more special than you would have if you were on the 50-yard line the fact that it resulted in a touchdown doesn't change because again what i want to know is how good you are how much better than average did you do on this particular play even like justin jefferson on some of those big deep passes if it's blown coverage i'm sorry i don't give you a ton of credit for catching a pass being wide open and then running when nobody's around the fact that it happened to be more yards doesn't doesn't change anything for me. Maybe for the quarterback as it was further down the field, but again, he's wide open, so it's a much easier throw. But it's always harder to throw 50 yards as opposed to 10 yards. But again, I want to know how much better you are than the other guy, you know? How much better is Tyreek Hill than Romeo Dobbs? Well, if Romeo Dobbs shakes a guy out of his boots and breaks his ankle and catches a two-yard pass and then goes out of bounds, and Tyreek Hill's running down the field wide open because of a busted coverage. I don't care that Tyreek Hill got 40 and and Romeo Dobbs got three. Dobbs was more impressive on that play. The yards are inconsequential. Anybody on planet Earth could have run in a straight line, maybe not as fast as Tyreek, but in a situation where it's a busted coverage and nobody's standing there. You didn't do anything above and beyond average. Romeo did in this situation. That's just what I want to know. And again, I prefer the on a play-to-play basis situation as opposed to big plays negating every single thing. You know, again, I, I don't want to see... I, I, I just wouldn't trust PFF. I wouldn't trust PFF. If, if, if I saw somebody, a corner was the, uh, had a, the highest grade in football, but also saw they had a pick six, I would just disregard it and say, I have no idea how good they did because they just had one play. And they played 55 snaps. So 54 of them could be straight garbage. It wouldn't matter. You know what I mean? So I, you know, I, I, I'm not defending specifically what they do because I don't know and I haven't tried, but I, I just, from that standpoint, I would never want it to be one play could make you, and, and it's the same for the, the opposite. You know, if, if you look at Davis Mills lost the game because of a pick six. Now, obviously he was bad the entire game anyways, but let's say the guy was lights out playing a great game and it really was just the defense that kind of lost everything for him. And then you throw a pick six and you get a terrible grade because I mean, that was the biggest play of the game. You specifically are the reason that you lost that game. Minus 50 points for you, sir. You can't do that. If you want to develop something else like a clutch metric, how good you do in clutch situations, that's a different thing. If you specifically want to monitor big plays, and those are things like there's, there's a big play or big time throw metric within PFF. If you want to see how many quarterbacks or, or how many throws or big-time throws for quarterbacks, and then they even give you a percentage. So that's within the system. And it does contribute to the grade, but it's not, you don't want to make it the whole thing. You see what I'm saying? So there are certain things PFF does that I'm like, I have no idea. I feel like you're doing something wrong here. This isn't one of them. If he played 55 snaps and one of them was really good, it doesn't, it doesn't make me sit here and go, how could you possibly give him a bad grade? Well, I don't know. What were the other 54 like? Let's let's start there. If we're really going to say one should should overrule fifty four, that that doesn't quite work for me. Anywho's, why don't we go ahead and take a break right here? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast, big shout out to our sub sub September, not September. Although hey, September, right? Dang it, I just came up with that. The month's almost over. Get in on September. 
But thank you very much to Robert, Brian, Vicky, Tommy, Mr. Motorcycle, and Char808. Thank you guys so much for jumping in this month. Really do appreciate that. Also, please visit FertileGroundRanch.org or just check out the links pinned to the top of my Twitter or the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Love to get your support for that ministry. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Also, before we get started, I just want to say thank you to several other people that I have actually deleted their pledges. Um, I know things are really, really tough right now, and I thank you guys for hanging on as long as you could. <laughs> but I, I see a lot of the exit inter- exit surveys. In other words, when people leave, they ask you, why did you leave? And, and um, I'm seeing a lot of people say, essentially, well, we had somebody say inflation is a wild ride. Somebody else saying, you know, financials are tough right now. I'm sure some people it's just because they they don't like me the content whatever something I did to bother them but I the point is I don't want you to feel bad you certainly don't need to sacrifice you know feeding your family so that you can give me a couple bucks a month or whatever so I'm not encouraging you to leave I just for those that have I just want you to know I'm not not mad at you I get it anyways let's keep it rocking oh you know what it's a new caller again i suck at this and i'm i'm sorry that i'm the worst i don't know why i can never remember i got one rule on this show new callers go first then i'm like up next caller is uh, i don't know because i don't have their name in there because they're a new caller dummy hey u.s cellular customers i've got good news so don't hit skip forward just yet i'm talking about their special customer event us days What's us days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, Ryan, this is Brooke from the Chicago suburbs. Brooke from um, Chicago suburbs. A little suburbs. terrified right now. Never called in. Actually, that's a lie. I've called in other radio stations, but still terrified. Um, How dare probably you? going to ramble for the entire three minutes. That's um, fine. I wanted to call. Rambling is what we do here. Um, Brooke from Chicago suburbs. Just randomly curious which Chicago suburbs. You don't have to say, but I am curious because that's where I grew up. Right after the game, but I'm glad that I listened to a couple of podcasts first. Um, I just find it really funny that we're all watching the same game, but we all have completely different um, takes on everything. Like after everything was over, people are screaming, why weren't we riding the hot hand? Why weren't we giving the ball to Jones? And me and my family during the entire second half of the game are screaming at the TV, why are we running? Why do we keep giving it to Jones? Jones isn't getting anywhere. We keep giving it to him behind the line and then losing two yards. I totally thought that we were going to have negative yards for Jones in the second half of the game because none of the runs seemed to be going anywhere. So I just thought it was really funny that some people were like, why aren't we running more? And I'm like, why are we running so much? It didn't seem like we were passing at all. Why isn't <clears throat> Rogers doing quick slants, quick passes, get rid of the ball fast? I didn't think that it seemed like he was under duress 
super tons of the time. Um, it definitely was less than the first two games. I was super stoked when he only got sacked one time. So it just, it seemed like he was abandoning the ability to throw. We had Dobbs, we had Lazard, we had, you know, Tanyan. People were available to be thrown to. We just kept running the ball. But the more I listened to your podcasts, the more it's like, no, we needed to run the ball more. So um, I love listening because I learn a ton. I've uh, been listening to your pods for the past couple of years. Um, been watching football since I was 11. Probably learned more in the last couple of years than I have my entire life um, watching football. So um super stoked. I'm going to pause you there for a second. I know it's, it's, I'm trying to find like a good spot and that everything runs so smoothly into the next thing. So this is kind of a clunky spot, but before we get too far away from what you're saying, this is why after the game, I spent like five minutes talking about how nervous I was to give my takes, because this is exactly what I meant. Everybody sees different things. And I know there are certain things that I saw that probably were wrong. I was stunned when I saw the rushing stats. I thought Aaron Jones did better than he did, which is part of the reason I came on here and I was like, why weren't we running with Jones more? And then I go over the stats and I'm like, he had two point. Okay, he sucked. Uh, it's not my recollection, but okay. I think the stats are all lying. But again, there's also like other narratives that people, it's just, it's not even necessarily, everybody saw different things. And I know you're not alone with like the, the entire thing with Aaron Rodgers. My, what I thought I saw in week one, a lot of people thought they saw in week three, which is, he has time to throw. He's choosing not to throw. He's, you know, you, you, that whole thing. I, that wasn't what I saw. So I, I don't know. I, I got to go back and, and check it again. I know that he's getting the ball out of his hand faster than just about anybody in football because of the pressure. But yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's true and true of everything. Same with Quay. Like some people are like, you got to check out Quay. He dominated this game. Others, not so much. Um, it's it's down to each individual player. I, I look at him like, here are the three people that were just awesome. And you'll get people that are like, well, what about this guy? It's like, I didn't didn't even notice him. What did he do? I have no idea. So it is kind of funny. And and it's it's funny too, because if you watch it in a group, like you said, with your family, you start to have that group think thing because you hear people saying it and you start saying it and everybody starts saying it. And somebody else at another party in another group, they are all screaming a different thing. And then you guys talk to each other like, what are you talking about? I have no idea. And that's kind of the benefit of being on Twitter is everybody's there. So all these takes are kind of coming in and everybody, you know, you got some that are bad takes and everybody kind of corrects you and brings you back into the fold. And, you know, there's probably a lot of incorrect takes on there, but at least you kind of get an idea and your thoughts don't get too wild and crazy out of the scope of what actually happened. Which again was my concern coming in blind is like, man, I'm going to say some stuff and everyone's going to be like, what are you, what the heck are you talking about, idiot? Maybe Jones is that thing. I don't know. Although I went back and watched and he was doing a great job. It must have been right at the the second half because I didn't watch as much of that when he must have just run for zero yards every single time. But in the beginning, he was, he was kind of gashing them pretty good. Anyways, my rant is done. Back to yours. This is my favorite by far. Thank you. Um, love it when you respond to the people calling, even though they're not there pause for a reaction um but yeah missed my window there i think that it's really interesting that we all watch the same game and yet everybody has extremely different reactions to everything but it just seemed like the whole game was like we were in the red zone we wouldn't get anywhere whenever we tried to go anywhere i think you had mentioned that in the very first pod after the game is that it was like red zone short field um so i'm still Trying to understand everything, still learning everything, but I just thought that was really interesting. So keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Bye. Yeah, thanks for the call, Brooke from Chicago suburbs. I put Brooke Chicago. I should change that because that is different. No, actually, I shouldn't. I, I that's another other rule I have. Got to leave it, even after you learn that's not the correct name. You got you got to roll with it, right, Bramble? And I kind of think part of it too is the little narratives start in our head at the beginning of the game. And then everything kind of becomes that little positive reinforcement feedback loop thing. Right. So for me, I see Rogers under pressure and kind of a run game or, you know, again, early on the, the run game was working. So in my head, this is the situation we're running pretty well. We can't pass because Rogers doesn't have time. And then throughout the game, I mean, if Rogers has time, it's just, it doesn't really register, but every single time you see that thing, that that you think is sort of that 
underlying issue, it really embeds itself in your brain. It's like, there it is again. There it is again. There it is again. And for you and your family, it's, we can't run the ball very well. So if he runs for a good gain, it's just, it's sort of a, oh, finally. If he doesn't, it's see, again, you know what I mean? So it really just, you hammer that point, and then it really just becomes this giant theme of the game, which for you is one thing, for me is another thing. And then, yeah, you, you talk to that person, it's like, what the heck game were you watching? You stupid jerk wad. Why don't you get a life? Something like that. I don't, I don't know how you handle that situation, but it's different for, for different people. Yo, Ryan, this Yo. is Jim from Arkansas. What's going on, Jim? So, you know, everyone's talking about the line, what we're going to do with uh, Yash, uh, especially, well, you know, Bakhtiari's coming back. Well, if Bakhtiari's back full-time, you know, why don't we move Bakhtiari to the right tackle? Let Yash stay at left tackle where he's been pretty good. Uh, I think Bach, the stud that he is, he should be just fine no matter where they put him on the line. Anyways, I haven't heard anyone say this. Give me your thoughts, man. I saw one person say it. It might have been you. I doubt it. Um, but I, I was kind of shocked, to be honest, just from my perspective that it was even being suggested because it feels so unbelievably blasphemous to take one of the best left tackles in football and put him over to right tackle because Yash is, is adequate as a left tackle. Um, I, th- I really just think it, it speaks too much to Yash. I mean, if, if we're going to say that it doesn't make left or right doesn't make a big difference, put Yash at right tackle, especially considering he's played right tackle. I mean, it was 2018 and it was in college, but hey, he played right tackle at Virginia Tech. I don't know. I, I, I think it's, I do think it's somewhat overinflating Yash Nyman. I think he's doing a decent job, but, it, but again, and I'll, I'm planning on doing a video after this. I'm not sure what I'm going to do as far as offensive line, but you know, the very, very distinct difference between David Bakhtiari. And I know you're not saying that he's on that level, but the drop-off was staggering when, when even with David Bakhtiari's first return after a year-plus long hiatus. So I just, I'm, I'm not moving a premier left tackle off a left tackle in hopes that maybe David could figure out right tackle. I, I just, I'm never doing that. It's one of the most important positions in football, left tackle, and I'm, I'm leaving him there. Now, maybe Yash plays right tackle and Elton moves into guard. Maybe. I don't think so for similar reasons. I think Elton, they, they view as a premier tackle, and you leave a premier tackle in at premier tackle, even if Yash is a better player than Royce, which if we're just talking best five. I don't think they're going to do that. I personally don't mind, partially because Elton has been struggling, and uh, I think my view of Elton is kind of skewed and I'm forgetting how good he was last time he played at tackle. But look, I just think tackle is, is the most important thing, and we've got two good tackles, and you don't take a premier tackle and put him at guard. I, I, I just I don't think that's going to happen. Now, if, if Yash Nyman was like on Elton Jenkins' level, then yeah, of course. But again, I think we're just kind of overinflating him. So I don't think that's going to happen. David Bakhtiari is not moving off a of left tackle. Whether or not they decide to put Yash at tackle and Elton at guard, the only way that I think that happens is maybe there's some kind of an issue with his injury and the, you know, maybe the athleticism is is struggling a bit, flexibility kind of thing issue going on. Maybe you kick him inside so he doesn't have to do quite as much movement. But even that I would assume would be kind of short term temporary. So I, I don't mind the move of Yash at tackle and Elton at guard, but I don't think it happens. And I, I don't think there's any world in which they would put David Bakhtiari at right tackle. Just my thoughts. I don't know. Kind of depends your thought on the ability to move. It depends, you know, do you think left tackle is, is much more important than right tackle these days? Because it doesn't seem to be, but it is the quarterback's blind side. Um, and then your thoughts on Royce, your thoughts on Yash, your thoughts on Elton, and your thoughts on David Bakhtiari also factor into what you would personally do. But those are my thoughts based on how I feel about all those factors. Hey, Ryan. Scuba Steve here. Hey, Scuba Steve. You? I'm good, man. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Um, good. Sorry about not calling for a while. Oh, that's all right. Um, funny story. Good. I was actually calling almost daily. Yeah. But it was the wrong phone number. Oh, boy. And finally, some guy called me up, and he was a little angry. <laughs> he said, my name's Joe, not Ryan. Quit calling me. <laughs> so I said, okay. But... Just, can you imagine... I mean, think back about some of Scoop of Steve's calls. Can you imagine just some guy calling and saying all that stuff randomly on your on your phone? That would be amazing. 
I can't even imagine calling back and being angry. I would, I would just text the guy and be like, uh, what would you say? How you feeling? I don't know. I have no idea, but that's hilarious. Um, then I called him one more time. Yeah. I said, hey, you need to listen to the Packinet podcast. It's go. the best podcast ever. By the way, speaking of I want things to translate into Packernet Podcast, it translated Packernet Podcast into Packernet Podcast. That's not it. That's not it at all. Google hates me. So, Ryan, yes. uh, Joe's listening. Hey. I want you to welcome him. Hey, Joe. And, um, Joe, yeah, I'm sorry about all those voicemails. I know some of them were weird. <laughs> so, Ryan, well, you know, I don't have a question. Yeah. But... I would like you to rank the fan base of each NFC North team and also kind of describe them. You know, for instance, I would describe the Detroit Lions fan base as realistic. Now, Sunday, they wanted to win. They were hoping to win, but deep down in their hearts, they knew they were going to lose. So, all right, Ryan. Hope you have a great day. Bye. All right, man. Bye. Y'all come back now here. Um... So Packers are going to be number one. They've been loyal since forever. They've sold out the stadium since forever. They're one of the best traveling teams. Uh, the noise thing is problematic, and it's annoying, and it's a thing. But I tell you what, it is nice hearing Go Pack Go chants uh, in Tampa Bay and everything else because they're they're just it, – it's a powerhouse fan base for sure. Kind of tough to pick another one beyond that. I, I'm leaning Lions just because – any fan base that can stick with that team through what they've been through is is pretty rough. Granted, the Bears have been through some stuff too, but they've been to a Super Bowl. They've been to the playoffs and things. I'll probably go Lions second. I know that's going to seem nuts because there's like 17 of them and they don't travel. Like it's not a thing they, they do unless you happen to be a transplant. You know, a Lions fan that lives in, in Tampa that goes to the Bucks game. I don't know. Or maybe like a really close one, you know, Indy or something. There are a lot of teams kind of close by. I mean, driving distance, Chicago, even Green Bay is somewhat manageable. But then you got like Cleveland there. You got all the, the Pennsylvania-based teams. Not super close, but it's 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 in the area. Um, I don't know much about Vikings fans. I really don't other than social media, which is a, a tough place to be. I know Chicago's last, though, so I guess Minnesota has to be third. And the reason Chicago's last is because I grew up there. And again, the, here's how I describe Chicago Bears fans for those that haven't heard it. It's a person who hates the Green Bay Packers whose second favorite team is the Bears. I don't know a single human being, and I know there's lots of them, but I don't know them, whose number one team that, that is a Bears fan is the Bears. My buddy John, who I grew up with my whole life, favorite team is the Broncos. He's a Bears fan. His brother is a Bills fan. I don't even know what his other brother is. Maybe he's a true loyalist Bears fan. I have no idea. They all have allegiances outside of Chicago. But the number one thing that they all root for is for the Packers to fail. On top of that, they are ruthless. They're, they're one of the more unrealistic fan bases, but also completely ruthless. So here's, here's how it works. They have somebody that is the greatest person of all time. They deserve all the respect in the world. They're, they're you know, wonders to behold, and they will erect statues and trophies and everything else. And the second they leave, they're a bum, right? I'll never, ever, ever forget how they treated Brian Urlacher. He's washed up. Doesn't matter. Doesn't impact us at all. Are you out of your mind? They're, they're, they're basically, their overall reaction was good riddance. Same thing they said about Julius Peppers. Guy was, was a great football player for Chicago. He came in, did some wonderful things. He left and went to the Packers. Good riddance. He's washed up. He's a, you Packer fans are idiots for picking him up. He's got nothing. Then they went out and got Allen from Minnesota, who was completely nothing. But of course, they loved him until he didn't do anything. Then they hated him. I mean, they, they will turn on you so fast. So it's, it's what they did to Trubisky, right? He's, he's great. He's all these things. He's going to be a great quarterback. And as soon as it became clear he wasn't, they hated him. And that's exactly what they're going to do to Fields as soon as they figure it out. Some of them already have. But they're vicious. So I don't know. I guess it depends on the criteria, but Packers number one, Lions just because, you know, sticking by that team is requires some serious fortitude. Vikings number three by default because I don't know anything about them, and then Bears fans last just because they don't actually care about the team. They don't actually care about the players. They seem to just want to be the best, 
and they certainly just want to be better than Green Bay because they see Wisconsin as this backwoods, redneck, garbage state that doesn't belong anywhere near a place that is as glorious and wonderful as Chicago. And the fact that the Packers are just better drives them nuts. And they just demand, because they got this little man syndrome, you know, because everybody thinks about New York and LA and nobody cares about Chicago, which to be fair is somewhat unfair, especially when it comes to food, but they hate it. They hate that nobody cares about Chicago and they want to be recognized as the greatest. You know, Dallas is is a massive thing with, with massive fan base and all that. Again, New York and LA and all these big cities. Nobody cares about Chicago in anything, including sports. They don't, it's not even seen as like a great, I mean, to some people, it's probably a great sports city, I guess, but it's not. You had the Bulls that were a massive thing for a while. That's pretty much it. Does anybody care about the Cubs? You know, all the history and everything that goes. Same with the Bears, one of the most historic teams in football. If you ask somebody, a random person about the historic teams in football, probably talk about the Packers, which is going to drive them nuts. But it's true. Everything that they're good at and known for, somebody else is known for it more. History, Packers, you know, dynasties, I don't know, Steelers or the 49ers or the Patriots or whatever. Nobody remembers the 1920s Bears or... <laughs> so I, I, I understand the frustration. I'm just, I'm just saying that's where I think a lot of this comes from. Imagine being like the older brother who has a really good job and a lot of money and is just very successful. But you got this younger brother who's kind of a lowlife, but has all the looks and all the charisma and everybody loves him. And anytime he does anything, it's like, that's awesome. You know, like he's got a junker car, but he built it with his bare hands. And so when people come over, they don't want to look at your like Audi or whatever it is you're cruising around in $50,000 car you paid for in cash. They want to see Frank's car that he built with his bare hands as he shows you with his leather jacket. And it's like, I hate this guy. He, dude, so what? Look at my, my car's better than his car. This is stupid. You can understand the frustration. Just is what it is, though. We're that younger brother with all the charisma, all the charm, the charm of small town Green Bay, the historicity. It's a football town. Drives them nuts. Hey, Pack Daddy. This is Henry out in Tennessee. Going on? Not staring at a lake this time. All right. Uh, to answer your question, yes, I'm Minnesotan. Sorry I didn't call in yesterday. I was going to say, your family sounds absolutely lovely. Thanks. But uh, to the Packers, if you could replace one interior lineman, who yeah. would you replace? Okay. I'm I'm obsessed with this question right now because I hate the interior of our line. I think Elton will be fine. I just really, really don't like how the interior of the line is doing. Okay. Have a good one. Uh Minnesota. Sounds good. Uh, if I could replace anyone, who would it be? I mean, my sights are set on Royce. I hate to keep picking on the guy. I know, I know he's trying. He's just not doing a great job. And actually, in this last game, I, I mentioned how I started charting the offensive lineman. Um, I only got through the first quarter-ish, maybe maybe close to the first half. I don't know, but Royce was one of the few guys actually doing a pretty good job. He didn't grade out very well at the end of this game, but. Just saying, I, I was starting to appreciate what he was doing. But let's just look at it real quick. We got John Runyon. Good pass blocker, bad run blocker. That's what he's always been. He has not given up a single pressure this entire season. Not one. He is the only player to not give up a pressure this entire season. Even Doc, David Bakhtiari, who's only played 35 snaps so far, has already given up a pressure. Jake Hansen, who's played, what, 64 snaps so far, has given up four pressures? So, you know, I know he struggles in run blocking or whatever, and, and I'm sure at some point in some world, you'd want to upgrade that and find a guy that's just as good as a, as a pass blocker, but can actually do a better job run blocking. But this dude ain't going anywhere. Zero pressures is what I'm looking for, and that's what he delivers. So the only other option is Josh Myers. Um, but he's kind of similar to Royce in that the struggle so far has been run blocking. The pass blocking has been decent. Um, he's got a 72 overall pass blocking grade. He's only given up two pressures and both of them were hurried. So zero sacks, zero hits, and he's getting never given up more than one pressure in a game. Week one, he gave up one to Minnesota, zero against Chicago, one against Tampa Bay. That's it. So, you know, is Josh a dominant guy? Kind of like what we got out of Elton when we picked up a second round guy? No, not so far. But then you come over to Royce and the guy's given up seven pressures, seven. Now, what really sucks is Elton Jenkins has given up six, but (laughs) 
Currently, the lowest pass blocking grade on the team is Elton Jenkins. But again, if you're just talking interior, and and I agree, Elton's going to kind of turn it around and get it figured out or whatever. I'm quite positive, especially the way that Matt LaFleur and uh, Aaron Rodgers have been talking about him, that he's still battling through some injuries right now. The fact that they've been praising him coming back. I think he's coming back kind of early and just fighting through some pain would be my assumption. I don't know. But um, I mean, it's got to be Royce. There's, There's no other way to put it. I mean, he's given up more pressures than anybody on the team. Um, again, Elton is six. And then after that is Jake Hansen and Josh Nyman with four. So Josh Myers would be the only other guy. The only, the, the two other guys combined have given up two pressures. John Runyon and Josh Myers have given up two combined. Royce has given up seven. Seven. That's a lot. Seven in three games. Kind of shocked to see that it's not higher up on the list of overall. He's tied for 17th with seven. There's a guy out there with 14 pressures he's given up. Chargers guard Matt Feeler. You got Dallas offensive guard Matt Farniok with 13. Gabe Jackson in Seattle, 13. Lakin Tomlinson for the Jets, 13. Elijah Vera Tucker with the Jets, 11. He's next on the list. Logan Sternberg, Ed Ingram in Minnesota. Mark Glowinski, 10. So... I guess there's a lot of things that are worse. Uh, Minnesota's Ezra Cleveland has given up nine. But yeah, Royce, Royce is... Uh, Logan Sternberg in Detroit has a zero pass blocking grade. That's rough. That is rough. Yeah, I, I, I think the answer is pretty obvious. It's It's got to be Royce. I mean, it, the only way he could possibly redeem himself with the seven pressures is if he was just a dominant run blocker. He's not. He's not... I don't think he's really any better than the other guy. So there's the answer. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com